We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Welcome to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. Your host, Billy Marshall, joined as always by my co-host, John Ellis, coming to you Tuesday after a pretty exciting World Cup game for the U.S. soccer. Um, we're not going to break that down, but just wanted to <laughs> let you guys know. Uh, and John, what's up, man? I'd be lost, man. I'd be following your lead. But yeah, congrats to the U.S. And uh, hey, congrats to the Panthers, those who are, are still fighting for their jobs out there with this team. Impressive win, uh, especially on defense, and, and an interesting game by Sam Darnold. Got a lot to talk about here, man. Good to be back with you. Yeah, for sure. Um, certainly a lot to talk about in the wake of the uh, victory against the Denver Broncos. By the way, a, a victory you predicted. Sorry to interrupt, but you were very clear about this. They were going to win this game, Billy. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't give betting advice here at all. Uh, but it was just a, the line didn't make sense to me. Denver was a three-win team. Carolina's a three-win team. Denver's yeah. uh, has all sorts of issues. Um, and yeah, I, I don't. I did not understand the line from a, a gambling perspective. I thought Carolina yeah. should have been the team favored. Uh, they weren't. Um, and yeah, let's get right into it. A certainly a game that uh, you know this team like a a game script. Uh, that they need to follow on offense in order for them to be successful, and they were. Uh, I just personally, I was not intimidated one bit by the Denver offense in any way, shape, or form. I thought as soon as it was three nothing, you know, I genuinely believe Carolina could win this game. You know, <laughs> Latavius Murray had that long run, but besides yeah. that, I just was not intimidated in any way, shape, or form by this Denver team. That's a team that. Um, is just going in the wrong places. You have players on the field ready to fight. You have a quarterback yeah, yeah. making a crazy amount of money, head coach who's <laughs> way in over his head. Um, it's so and, bad. And I just want to be careful about, like, you know, the analysis that we're trying to, um, you know, convey here. And I want to be clear, 
you know, yes, you should also realize the contingents or at least the uh, some of the issues that Denver has in regards to you know how Carolina played, but that it shouldn't take away necessarily the performance on the field. Um, yeah. Again, I I expected it from an offensive point of view. I or excuse me, defensive point of view. Um, offensively, I think you have to start the performance of Sam Darnold was probably um, you know the best performance by him in a Panthers uniform. I mean, mm. I know he had that the first three games last year, but. If we're considering the opponent, the Denver defense, and yeah, you know, just his first start in a while, and I, I certainly thought he played well. I mean, he made a couple big time throws, the one to DJ Moore down the sideline, then the touchdown throw to DJ Moore. I mean, it does seem that him and DJ have a pretty good connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, Darnold when he, they traded for him, it was way back in March of 2021, so. That gave him an opportunity to work with DJ all throughout that offseason and even last year and this year. Uh, so I think Baker was a little unlucky in that regard. Um, I'm not going to get into that. But yeah. at the same time, Darnold played well. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it was like they still had a lot of drive. There was still 2 of 12 on third down. So it's still an offense that, in my opinion, is um, you know not great but right. uh, as far as just Sam Darnold I thought he played well and you have to give him credit for that yeah you do I mean look uh, it, just as we were talking about this on a, a show I think last week Billy right before Thanksgiving I, I keep using the same line I can't believe we're here a year later talking about Sam Darnold about to start for the Panthers again but you know we went to this game my son and I and you know just on a personal note he's a fan you know i I try to do my best to keep it down the middle here. I've always done that, Billy. You know that. But it, it was fun, I, I will admit, to be you know like 12 rows up. There were good seats. The seats were gettable because the record is what it is, and those are pretty cheap seats at the bottom rim. And if you saw what was going on in the stands, it was heavy orange, and that's always satisfying to go up there, get a dub, and you can send them home. And it was a fun crowd. But back to Sam. Um, yeah, there's a lot to digest here offensively and even defensively on this game, but I was really encouraging to see not only Darnold you know, in the pocket and in, in what was pretty much clean pockets, by the way, hats off to, I, I would suppose, Campen and McAdoo and, and Wilkes for orchestrating a little XT personnel with Cade Mays and, and Irving. That was probably smart against this defense. A lot of max protection, and they just let Darnold get into the pocket. He did a nice job climbing. He was comfortable. He never really got rattled. And he only threw like I think like 20 times, 19 times. It was the formula that Steve Wilkes has got to follow with this team. There's a narrow margin for error here. You, you Obviously, you can't throw 40 times with this team. But no, Sam back in there, you know, he's got the beard cooking. He, he threw that ball to DJ down the boundary, and that was like 13 personnel, max protect. And I don't know if you saw the clip. I'm sure you did, but he's he's holding the release like a fadeaway, like Steph Curry. I mean, that's just little stuff I noticed from the game that was like, all right, this is kind of cool. You know, Sam's back out there connecting with DJ, and I think you're right, Billy. I mean, there's something there with with Mayfield and Moore that, and whether it's fair or not, they just they're just not connecting, and they didn't connect. And I think Sam clearly at least for right now until further notice is the starting quarterback pj's binged up and he's struggled a little bit and i don't want to see baker again right now i've just seen enough of that um it was encouraging offensive line looked good but uh yeah i mean it's the kind of game they had to play two of 12 on you know third downs that's obviously got to be better denver though billy this is like and i don't want to take anything away like 
you said from what Carolina's doing. Steve Wilkes is undefeated at home. That means something. Um, they've been great in the division so far. They finally get a win outside the division. So hats off. It's not easy. They're losing staff members left and right. It's kind of going back to the Ron Rivera days where things were falling apart in 17, and Wilkes has kind of been through this and knows how to stem this tide. So I'm I'm proud of Steve Wilkes, man. I'm happy for him. But the Broncos, until you see it in person, man, it's so bad. Like the whole operation, <laughs> just the the communication issues. The the Russell is just. It feels like Billy. He's on another planet from his team. Like you know what I mean. And until you're there in that environment, you can. And I saw Russell play in in 15 in the playoff game there. Totally different because obviously he's in rhythm and sync at that point. They lost, but he was great in that game. But man, he's just creating his own sacks again. He's running in circles like a moron. And I hate to be critical of it, but he's just he's just turned into kind of a hoser. He's just kind of this guy that. And who is it? Who's the lineman that got up in his face? Because I did not see that until we watched the broadcast copy. Is it Purcell, the the lineman? It got right up in his grill and was like, <laughs> I don't know what he said, but. Clearly, Hackett has lost control of it, and it's early, and that's Denver's problem. But no, Carolina defensively, we'll get into it. They were 4 of 14 on third down. They've gotten better in that department over the past three weeks. And, uh, hey, they're trending up, man. A lot of good things going on. And they're playing their young guys, Billy. That's what I love. Yeah, so it was Purcell. Again, I don't know what was said. Supposedly, Russell Wilson said something like, it's Russell Wilson time or something. I don't know. That's what Nathaniel Hackett said. God, I, I, again, I, that could be some type of weird tweet that went out. Oh, it's a, um, it's so. I mean, we think it. At least, kind of, we're on the flip side of what feels like the the poverty low. It it's so bad because you put all that money into Wilson. I know this is a Panthers podcast, but just I bared witness to it in person. I'm not sitting on my ass at home. Like that was just so weird to see a guy that was a quintessential like Super Bowl contender quarterback year after year, and then he's suddenly in Denver, gonna do the the Manning thing, of course, like Peyton did. No, no, you're gonna come here, and you're gonna throw spikes into the ground because your screen game's covered up, and and the routes suck, and no one's open, and he's running around creating his own sacks, and and Burns and Lavu are chasing your ass around it. It was satisfying, I will say that I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think that was just some type of meme on Twitter. So I don't think he actually said that. But oh, um, well, okay. <laughs> I at this yeah, point, no, and again, football is an emotional game. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, um, it is emotional. It, so again, people are in the, um, you know, they're in. They have so much testosterone built up, and they're always in like the right mindset. So, I, yeah. But still, at the same time, that kind of. I don't know. Just the energy from that sideline didn't look great. It was terrible. And they had they had a good contingent of fans, and even the fans felt like Russell. Usually Broncos fans are pretty sure of themselves and they're one in they're six and one all time against the Panthers. They beat us in the Super Bowl. I mean, and they just kind of walked in like it was the green miles, like, oh, here we go again. And we've been there. So uh it was good to come out on the winning side, especially with my son there. I mean, that's those are good moments. And hey, you know, DJ Moore's his favorite player, and DJ Moore Caught four big ones and uh, got in the end zone twice. And I, Sam, man, good throw on that first one. I mean, that's he's backpedaling and throws it in a little dime there in the corner, and then the the go route there to the, and then the the stop, drop, and roll touchdown. Of course, the, that's just vintage Carolina. So it was an interesting day in the bank. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, game script wise, forty one carries between 
Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. I mean, that's sort of, you know, how they want to play um, yeah. for better or worse. And it's not like either of them necessarily had like, you know, a spectacular yards per carry. But I think that when you have two guys that uh, know their role and they just run the ball, um, you know, within their style, mm-hmm. I think that's just the sort of the mindset you're going to get. And I think at you know points of the second half when the game was like 17-3, 23-3, 23-3, I mean, they were just trying to play out the string and – yep. Um, you know, get through the game as much as anything. So it didn't necessarily call for, um, you know, dropping back as much as, you know, other people might anticipate, but it was fine. Um, Well, especially like you said, three was kind of enough. I mean, I know they got the one late, but I mean, (laughs) and the the official too, that's Hockey Lee's son. Boy, it's a rough watch with him because it's everything is – is like a five-day trial, like every flag. They, but I digress. Look, Denver, they're terrible. The, the defense is very good. Uh, obviously, that was probably not um, number two's best day out there for their side, but he's still a very good player, and that was some good competition going out there between Moore and Sertan, so I enjoyed that thoroughly. Denver's just kind of limited right now on offense, obviously, and you know their special teams got their ass kicked. <laughs> Tabor had, other than the fumble, I mean, they, they had a really nice day. Hecker was great. Congrats to J.J. Jansen. He's tied John Casey for all-time games uh, played, and, and obviously defensively they're they're doing a good job right now. They're they're playing good football. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, offensive line-wise, I thought Iquano didn't necessarily have his best game. He's kind of struggled the past couple of weeks, which, um, again, he's a rookie, so you're not going to necessarily see the highs uh, of his game uh, that you saw like in the middle of the year. So. Yeah. Um, just one thing to keep in mind, uh, I, I thought the overall unit as a whole, they played fairly well, uh, but at the same time, the game plan was to just get the ball out, run the ball. Uh, they didn't do too many you know, five, seven-step drops. Uh, there was that play in the first quarter, I think, when Darnold missed like a wide-open DJ Moore, but he just like stood in the pocket and waited, and he did that thing that he usually does, which is Double his feet. Clutch. Just- yeah, his feet just go crazy. He did find a wide open um receiver down that sideline. I believe it was uh believe it was I don't know who was it. I think it could have been DJ Moore. I think yeah. Was it or, the seven route? Was it the corner route that he just missed and DJ drug his feet and didn't get in? Is that the one you're talking about? Well, it was a route in the first quarter where he just threw it to a wide open receiver. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, after going you. through his progression like four or five times. No yeah. one covered him and Guy was just standing there. I think it was DJ Moore. Yeah, I think um, I remember this one. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of that. Third and two, Darnold. Three, two, one, and continue. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. So it was like a progression that, you know, he went through like four, uh, went through the progression three or four reads and then found someone just wide open. Uh, but that that's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Like the pass pro as a whole, they did well because Denver, they like to – you know, bring a lot of fire zone pressures and late uh, linebacker blitzes. So overall, no issues with the offensive line. But uh, just to point out, Iquanu, again, I thought he had some moments where he'd probably like to have back. Uh, but as a unit, I didn't really have an issue overall. They played pretty well, as you said earlier, too. Yeah, I think Iquanu, they're insulating him nicely. I mean, you could see what they're trying to do here. You know, the Cade May stuff early, and as a 
as an avid lover of Cade Mays, it's become a bit of a joke around here, but I do like the kid because he got the Greg Cosell stamp of approval on our show, so I ride with that. It was good to see, like I said, last year we're sitting here like get Christensen some reps, get Deontay Brown some reps, whether it's good or bad, and they're finding creative ways to get like Cade Mays into the game, and that's good. And then I thought Cam Irving was effective. Like They lined him up sometimes as a six offensive lineman. There was a lot of uh, hey, 64 and 75 are eligible, and the more they said it, the, the happier I got because there were times like Aquanu did not have, and he's he's yet to really have that kind of game. You're like, damn, that's he's arrived. But it's okay. I mean, you, your first year, it's been a mess. You've changed head coaches. Um, he wasn't mauling people like I, I've seen him at times in the run game in this game. Um, but that's just a first glance. I have to go back and look again at it. I, I thought he was fine, but like, really, Bozeman has just settled in nicely inside. Moten was just a rock, and I think – to your point about the passing game, like they didn't drop back and throw a lot of deep patterns, but when they did, it was a lot of, you know, six, seven man protection. And I thought it was an effective plan, you know, mitigate what, you know, and, and eliminate what they can do to you. And obviously it's pressure packages and rely on your playmakers to win in space. And DJ had a day, man. He, he played well and credit Sam, man. It's, we've only seen a few passes like that, Billy, since 2020 around here. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, not even being hyperbolic here. It's like hyperbolic, however the hell you say it. It's like PJ's pass in Atlanta. Yeah, I, don't think no, any, I don't think any no, pass is going to be Nothing tops that. Either, that's, that's, the, that's the goat of all throws this decade for the Panthers, and that's deceiving because this decade has been pure shit. But anyway, we take it. Uh, that was probably right up there in the top three. And, uh, you know, credit to Darnold. Credit to the line. And, and DJ came out of the tunnel fired up. He was ready to roll. I think the energy on the sidelines, we were right behind – the Panther sidelines, and I've been to hundreds of these games, Billy, literally since '96, and I've seen teams at three and eight, and they're just, boy, there's nothing, and it's just like it's a veteran team, and they're mailing that shit in, and and there was some good juice on that sideline, man. Winning cures a lot, and we'll worry about the draft when we get there. Obviously, I, I, you and I can't control where they finish in that, and I think Houston's well on their way to Bryce Young. Let's just say that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's a different discussion. Yeah, it's, given you know some people's opinion on these quarterbacks. I know. Yeah, I mean, it, um, I, I don't have an opinion yet. <laughs> I, I will say this: that I I think Trevor Lawrence is certainly commanding himself as like a bona fide number one overall pick the way he played last week. But that's neither here nor there. You missed out on Lawrence. You missed out on Herbert, and hopefully, eventually, they get their guy. But I mean, and your boy JF. Oh, Justin Fields, huh? Yeah, 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 so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, that would. Yeah, okay. Well, I like J.C. Horn. See, this is what I hate, Billy, about social, about message boards, and these assholes. Who I'm sorry, folks. Some of you, it's like you, you'll tag J.C. Horn if like somebody comes out and says, "Man, Fields would." Well, J.C. Horn, look at Ellis is on your ass. I'm like, yeah, real professional guys. Thanks a lot, but J.C. gets it. I've been around these players. Look, Fields. I don't want to get on a tangent here. That draft's over. Fields is fine. He's doing a good job up there. Oh, eventually they'll find somebody. Maybe Caleb Williams in two years. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank for you for sure. letting me rant. <laughs> so, defensively, I was not surprised with this performance one bit. Again, Denver's a mess. Their offensive line is all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, their skill guys outside of Cortland Sutton. Um Again, very questionable given the injuries that they have. You know, Tim Patrick got injured in training camp and missed the entire year. And 
Um, Judy just recently got injured. So they, they're just very limited. And then given the other factors that are involved with the schematic problems and mm-hmm. also the uh, quarterback that they paid $245 million to uh, is regressing. Meanwhile, Kendall Hinton's probably their best quarterback. He's out there I mean, catching balls. He looks like actually a pretty decent player as yeah. a receiver. Um, I'm actually interested in him if he ever becomes like a free agent. But sure. um but yeah, just it 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 was set up right for them because we've commended uh, their defense has certainly kind of turned a corner since giving up 42 points to Cincinnati. Um yeah. you know, uh, one of the games was against a Baltimore or excuse me, against an Atlanta def- offense that struggles on the road and especially in torrential weather. Yeah. Uh, you saw those issues kind of come to its head against Washington on Sunday. And then you obviously have uh, last week's game against probably one of the worst offenses in the league. I saw a stat that they're averaging like some of the worst points per game, like of the decade or something like 14.3. Um, but what team Denver, and then obviously you played well against uh, Lamar Jackson yeah. in the Ravens uh, a couple weeks ago. So they're doing pretty good work against uh, two in my opinion, you know, it's mid. Let's say one bad offense, yeah, one mediocre <laughs> offense, and one good offense. They're doing what they have to do. I mean, these are crappy teams, and they're they're making them look like crap for the most part. It's kind of par for the course. I, I agree. It, it's not great competition. So I think if they win against Philly, that that would be a different story, maybe because boy, the stuff they're yeah. running is ripe for like gashing. But they don't have to worry about that right quite yet. But overall, I think you can commend just their performance overall. I thought you know, yep. certainly Brian Burns stepped up um, as he's had the past few weeks. Had a good day. Uh, yeah, so uh, again, defensively this was a game that they had to uh, meet their expectations and their performance, in, and uh, they did. Yeah, they they did. Um, and you know, Burns we, we've covered that, so I don't want to spend too much time, you know, singing his praises. Burns expects to go out and do well. Obviously, we we know his story pretty well, and he had a very good game against a team he should have had a good game against. And, uh, you know, if you're there and you get a sense when you're in the stadium, I mean, it's so damn quiet now. Because, well, actually, you know, I should say this. They do a good job of amping up with a very, very loud, loud amplification with their speaker system. It is so loud, and that's fine. But um, anyway... The stadium itself, you can hear a lot of what's going on, and Burns brings a lot of energy on that field. I thought he got hurt pretty bad for a minute when he threw his helmet. I was glad he came back in the game. Two sacks. It was good to see the strip sack, the takeaway. I At the time, we're sitting right there in that corner of the end zone, and it, it kind of like, hey, that's probably something you ought to look at and review. And luckily, Hockey Lee threw us a bone there and said, hey, we'll give you that one. Marcus Haynes is good, man. Uh, I keep you know singing his praises situationally. They come in and give him – you know, a handful of snaps a game in the pass rush. He's averaging the last three weeks, Billy. I did a little research for once, like one sack every 20.5 pass rush snaps. And, you know, again, competition being relatively, you know, low-key the last few weeks, but still the last three games uh, as a as a whole, he's been good. Um, I keep seeing this narrative that, you know, and I, I know Barno flashes, and he's out there at Gunner. First of all, I think this is much different than Brian Burns at Gunner. Uh, it's a good idea to get him out there because he's like the 189th pick and let the athlete get out there and, and learn how to play every position. I'm fine with it. He's very good at it, by the way. And then there's like a narrative, too, that, oh, Barno, he's going to be replacing YGM. I still think YGM is doing a pretty good job here. I mean, 
there's little things that here and there I know run gashes happen, but like there were some stunts they ran in that game and some twists and, and he didn't get the sacks or anything, but he had two hurries on the quarterback. Um, he had a fumble recovery, and I just thought it was a whole like you see guys still like Sam Franklin on defense and special teams. Henderson had a better game, albeit against <laughs> not guys like C.D. Lamb and company, but, you know, fair enough. Uh, Lavu continues. Shaq's having a low-key very good year, and, and they're just – they're very good in the trenches right now. I mean, I'll say this. I know they got gashed against Cincy. That shit happens. I mean – Bad day to have a bad day, John Fox, I guess you can say. But uh, on offense and defense, they don't suck in the trenches anymore. I'll, I'll say that. I'm not willing to say, hey, it's time to gas it up and we're ready to go You know, playoff bound next year or this year. But they got a pretty good rotation of guys up front on both sides. And, and defense, You know, Burns is here, whether we agree with it or not. And I know we had opinions on it that could go either way. But, hey, they're here. They're balling. And – they made Denver look like Denver and a half. It was so bad. And congrats to Steve Wilkes and Al Holcomb for putting together a game plan on what's suddenly kind of a shorthanded staff now with Terrence Knighton. I, I think I heard he's leaving with Matt Rule at Nebraska. And, um, he already announced it on his Twitter feed. Okay. Well, there's that. And then, you know, Evan Cooper's obviously been dismissed and he'll probably end up there too, the whole gang. But, you know, I, I think Steve's doing a good job here. Great job. I don't know. That's not for me to decide, but Obviously, it's going to get interesting the rest of the season. I, I don't want to keep doing this, Billy, but they're a game and a half back, and they have the tiebreaker. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. When their playoff odds are above thirty percent, I know. I was doing that. I'll to start taking that seriously. Um, I'm not banking on it, but it's at least fun to win a game, I guess. Special teams. Um, it, it was a little bit of an issue, I would say, in this game. I mean, I know Pinheiro made all of his kicks, but. Uh, Blackshear fumble. Uh, I know you had. Some, we've had some issues yeah. with Shai Smith and his fumbling on That's those punts. Uh, and then they also allowed Denver to recover an onside kick. Yep. Uh, now they, to their credit, they did force a fumble on a Denver uh, kickoff. So deserve credit there, but yeah, uh, it certainly wasn't perfect at all on special teams. No, it wasn't. I mean, like Hecker early on had a great punt and, and it was one of those you know vintage hecker deals and it was like the hecker I the most exciting combination these days in Carolina than DJ to Sam is hecker to hecker to 42 it's like hecker to Franklin on the punt team and they're they're getting them down inside the three but it wasn't perfect they did do the fake punt that was pretty elementary I think they had like an inch to go and uh good block by JJ Jansen by the way that was nice um but yeah the that that was sloppy at the end, the onside kick. And I think that was actually Franklin who kind of had a hard time committing to it. Credit to Denver. And the Blackshear thing, I had a good angle of that in the stadium, and it it, it looked doomed from the start. It's like, you know, if Parcells was there, he'd be, you know, how he was with his guys like Diedrich Ward back on those old clips. Like, come on, man. Well, you want to be a rabbit or you want to be a returner? And I like Blackshear, but he looked, he looked not ready to do it right quite yet like he needs to. I, I don't know what you do at this point. You got to play your young guys. Maybe Shy goes back in. Maybe I, I don't think you put DJ there, but not their best. But I I still think Johnny Hecker is a hell of a hell of a pickup, and I'd like to keep him around here for a while. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree there. It's I think what makes the onside recovery worse is the fact that on turf it's supposed to be easier to actually collect those balls because on grass, oh yeah, it, it's Good point. I mean the field is softer and. You just never know, especially in a game where 
uh, you know, the field can be a little moist and it bounces, you know, weird or whatever. Um, a good kick turf, by McMahon- there's a good kick by McManus, though. I mean, he, it really kind of threaded that needle, that 10, and they barely were able to get – and Franklin, I guess, I don't know. I mean, you got to look back at it and see. Franklin maybe committed too early, but you got guys screaming down your neck. It was – I'd say it's well executed, but like on turf, you're right. I never thought about that. That's a good point. Uh, that's just a general point that I figured. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got anyway. clean. They got to clean that up. I'm sure. Oh, yeah, see Tabor on the sidelines was pissed. So obviously, that's not what they like to do here. I mean, it's something that and the the fumbles on punts are the worst. I mean, remember the Burson game in the playoffs? Like that that game almost got pissed away in 14 because you know, our friend Burson kept you know. And God bless him, I love him. But man, that was a struggle bus that night in the fog, and that's just one of the worst feelings when you know. Other than like having a kicker who can't make anything, um, or other than not having a quarterback, which hey, been there, having a punt returner dilemma where guys are consistently fumbling that that can be problematic, and they should probably work on cleaning that up pretty soon. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, overall, a pretty solid effort on all three sides of the ball. There's some things to clean up um, as well. I would just think that. They're the games that they've been winning. Um, you know, it's not like they're blowing teams out, especially on offense. It's been mainly a formula where they're just having to stay ahead of the chains and yeah. playing in front. Uh, you know, that can obviously take you to success as we've seen at home. Uh, and you know, they haven't been able to face or overcome adversity, um, I think is a good way to put it. Good point. Especially yeah. on the road. It's like and- O2 Panthers, Billy. That's what it reminds me of a little bit. Like John Fox kind of knew what he had with Rodney Pete and Lamar Smith and a work-in-process offensive line and just take the air out of the ball. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I just think Wilkes is kind of like coming in saying, let's get our focus back here. We are going to be one thing. We're not going to change our identity every other day. That's what the last guy tried to do. Let's just stick to this shit. And, hey, for better or worse, this is how it's going to play out. And I don't love it, but, like, I get it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of where they're at with their construction right now, their their framework of their offense. Yeah. I mean, the one game where you did see them have, um, you know, the opportunity to come back was against Falcons yeah. in Atlanta. Uh, but, yeah, outside of that, it's been – Anytime they've kind of trailed in some of these games, uh, it's been very tough sledding for them to. You, hey, you know, let me ask it. you something. You think like did Sam show you enough? I, I, I mean, it's a good defense he played. Do you think progressively they'll try to open it up a little bit down the stretch here for Darnold if he continues to start? Given the fact the O line has been, I mean, let's face it, about as good as it's been here for a few years. Could you possibly see them getting back to a more aggressive? Approach, or is it just the fact that they got down against Atlanta and they had to play catch up, and that's what led to that? Because I'm kind of with you. It's like it is O2 Panther esque. It's like let's bleed. And I said this earlier in the season. They just want to kind of bleed the clock out, like that Rams game, and and just hope at the end you're on top. And that's just where they are. But I, I do wonder if they'll they'll try to elevate Sam's pitch count, if you will. I I don't even know where Sam is in their priority list. I guess he'll keep starting. It looks like he will. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's really tough to tell. You might as well just, I really don't have any preference. I think yeah. the other, um, uh, you might as well just rotate or figure out one of the two guys between 
Walker and Darnold. Um, I mean, those two guys have been sure. your best. Yeah, I wish Corral was still around, but that that sucks. Yeah, but, eh, those whatever. two have been your best so far this season. So yeah. I really don't have a preference on which one you go with. Um, the only thing I'll say is like, I mean, it, it, like it was a good performance, but it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, I agree. Times when I mean, he started off pretty slow. He was like one of four for like fifteen yards or two of something. So it, um, you know, the biggest thing with him is just like the consistency. You still saw a lot of the mechanical problems uh, in his lower half, where yeah. he can kind of not set his feet correctly and. Uh, drive the ball so that's obviously a um, pattern that is just going to stick with him uh, but 19 throws is kind of like his sweet spot it's kind of like if you go over 19 throws you're chancing it with a pick six with him that, that's kind of how it feels to me that's kind of his threshold right now yeah so it's just as far as like this season goes you might as well just continue to follow or at least you know attempt to follow this game script where uh, you're going to be running the ball, and you're going yeah. to be trying to open it up and play action now. Uh, I mean, the benefits of Darnold in that respect is he probably has a stronger arm than PJ, uh, mm-hmm. and he could probably deliver the ball on all three levels. I'm not to say PJ can. He obviously can, but um, you know, I think that when I'm talking about like just how the ball should be coming out, like the yeah. velocity and the direction of it, I think PJ is a little too... Um, one speed in his delivery. Uh, the mm-hmm. ball just always comes out at one speed. Doesn't throw with you know the best touch in the world. Uh, but I mean that's just minor observation. You, you got three quarterbacks with a track record of of disturbingly high turnover rates. I mean that's just where they are. Baker being the least of those three, but ironically enough, he he probably looked the worst. Um, so that's what happens. Short short time frame to get caught up, and I you know the training camp was kind of a mess and. Yeah, Sam, yeah, 19 throws. Uh, he completed, what, 11 of them, I think? Um, and he, he on a few of those, he looked really comfortable. So it's a short, small sample size. I'm satisfied with it. I'm like you. I, I just kind of picked your brain on that because I, I trust your opinion on a lot of this stuff, and I like to hear your perspective. But it's kind of where they're at, and Foreman's been effective. He's been a really good story, actually. I, I've enjoyed his contributions. He's not McCaffrey, obviously he's a different player, but he's effective for what they're trying to do with McAdoo. There, you see the the stuff they're running in Philadelphia and some of the run concepts in San Francisco, and it's just kind of meat and potatoes, hammerhead football here. And I, I, it's not very attractive, but if it works, fine. Keep milking the clock, get a couple touchdowns, and play good defense. And hey, I'll say this: the defense is uh, is better with less time of possession against them. So. Um, Certainly good. And without Dante Jackson, they're holding their own back there. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll just say this. With all due respect to Dante Jackson, I think that they, the secondary could probably use another um, player back there. And I thought, like you said, Henderson played pretty well today last week. Yeah. But I'd be looking to upgrade cornerback too. Um, yeah. potentially try to figure out if Dante's really a guy you want to keep long-term, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, Scott's got his hand. Well, if he's here, I think he'll be here. He's got his plate full. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, moving forward, uh, this team has a bye week, um, you know, pretty late in the year, but uh, yeah. pretty uh, one that they probably deserve. 
Uh, and then they close out the year with, you know, five games, uh, two of them to close out the year on the road in the division. But before that, they go to Seattle, uh, face Pittsburgh and Detroit at home. And then, um, like I said, the two division games. Uh, just my opinion, I, I really don't know where to go with uh, this organization, like from a from an offseason perspective, like I'm, you know, it's interesting, you know, I'm reading reports about, you know, has Steve Wilkes made a good impression? And yeah, he certainly has. I mean, does that, I don't know if he's going to be, um, you know, the long-term, you know, guy or not, but all I can say is, you know, you follow a lot of sports. I follow a lot of sports too. You know, usually in the cases where you have interim head coaches, um, it doesn't really bode well when you promote them to the full-time guy. Yeah. Um, it, Not a good but, track record of that. Yeah, there isn't. But I just think like, I don't know. It's kind of like, I'm not endorsing it, obviously, but I mean, you might as well just keep him. I say that very reluctantly, Not nothing against the guy. I say it reluctantly because like, I don't trust the owner to find someone <laughs> better. Um, and you just saw on Sunday... Sorry. You know the opposite sideline. They hired the hot shot offensive guy. Yes, it didn't go well for them. Billy, did you ever find yourself honestly have an honest moment here? Because I, I stupidly kind of thought, hey, maybe Hackett could be good for them. Did you ever see any potential with him, or was it Aaron Rodgers bait? Because you come out of that Green Bay system, it's like, what, what really are you other than uh, I don't know. I, I didn't know much about Hackett, but. He appealed me with some of his energy, and then I kind of peeled it back in training camp, but it, it started feeling a little weird. I don't know. What was your impression of him? My impression of Hackett was fairly neutral. Um, I'll just go back to when he was the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville, the year they made it to the AFC Championship game with uh, Doug Mur or you know Blake Bortles. Oh God! I thought he did a pretty good job. Remember that um, year, yeah. You know, kind of constructing an offense around you know a quarterback of Bortles' skill set. Yeah, know, Bortles yeah. is the most accurate guy. You know, he's a pretty mobile quarterback, but you know a lot of people like to make fun of him um, for better or worse. But I never really always thought those were pretty harsh um, you know, treatment of the guy. But <laughs> overall, like he was, in my opinion, like it's really tough, especially when you have a coordinator who doesn't call plays now on the inverse side i'll point to kevin o'connell he didn't call plays for the rams and you know the vikings are one of the best teams in the nfl uh record wise i know they their underlying metrics are probably not the best right now but um i think wins and losses matter and kevin o'connell seems to be a guy that really has the pulse of that team and i watch some of those uh, post-game locker rooms that he does he seems like a very a smart guy who's a leader of men. And I think that's important. Um, O'Connell obviously was a former player too. Uh, Hackett, you know, he's a son of a coach. So it's, yeah, to me, it's, it's just so difficult it's because tough. like I can sit here and I can tell you, yeah, go hire Matt Rule. He turned around two college programs. And yeah. again, I know other people had issues with the rule hire. I liked it. Um, but, you know, you look at just some of these the track records of coaches who don't work out. I think it's very easy to, uh, you know, project how uh, like some of the retread guys will do like a Doug Peterson or a Mike McCarthy, you know, guys yeah. who have been through it before. Uh, even, yeah, I know he had some struggles early on, but they won two in a row, two overtime games. So he seems to have, you know, his team back on the track. I just think with these, it's, 
with with some of these coordinators, whether it's offensive, defensive, or special teams, even it's just so tough to project, especially us on the outside. And even if we were interviewing them, like, what do we? How do we like actually get the yeah. right? Well, to me, idea? like, I, I I'll be honest with you, I was pretty neutral about the Matt Rule thing because, like, we were all kind of, I think, understanding that Ron and and Tepper were going to part ways. It, Tepper wanted his own guy, and. <laughs> You know, he interviewed McCarthy, and I, I kind of gave him some grief on that. But you, you raised some good points about Mike McCarthy. He's turned out pretty well, and that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. Um, my only thing about Tepper, or my only thing about Rule, is it just kind of felt, I don't know, like this whole thing hadn't worked before, and I don't really want to wait around three years and just reset this when the odds are just based on, you know, Saban and every Patria. I'm not saying Matt's the same, but this shit usually doesn't work. You got to have some some bona fides in this league to make it work. And then the, the staff he put together, it was kind of like, with no disrespect to any of them, it, it felt clunky. The COVID thing happened. I know he's talked about that a little bit. I just think moving forward, it's like, if Wilkes is the guy, I, I'm like you, go with it. But let's shake it up a little bit and let Steve work with whoever's in charge of the roster or in charge of operations, I'm assuming Scott. And you might want to start shopping for a new OC. I'm, you know, just saying that's, I don't know. I Ben's done okay, but I don't know if that's what you want long term. And it's weird, Billy. They're in a weird place because, like I said, their offensive line is emerging and improving, and I, I'm kind of confident it's going to become a strong point long term. Now that could fall apart, but right now it looks good. The defense, the front seven, feels good. You got a a good corner in J.C. Horn. You got a good safety in Chin. You can build around some of these pieces, but like, and they're finally getting some depth. But they have very little competency at quarterback, and they have a lot of question marks about what's going to be next in terms of leadership. And I wonder if it's, you know, like the Sean Payton thing still feels like <laughs> way out of Carolina's league, even though Tepper's got the money, like what would entice Sean Payton or the saints to want to do any of that with Carolina? I just don't, Sean Payton's got better things to do. He could wait around for a year or two if he needs to. Um, yeah. Maybe Jim, so Harbaugh. Maybe, just, maybe Jim Harbaugh, maybe he swings big. I don't know. I, I have no idea who Tepper maybe. wants anymore. Well, that that's why I'm not. I, that's why you just can't close the college door because Harbaugh would be a tremendous hire. Well, no, I'm that's that's a different college door, Billy. You know that. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. That is but a, you, would, a, you would honestly like Harbaugh. Let me just be make that clear. I love Jim Harbaugh. I was begging privately, quietly, that this owner would throw Scrooge McDuck money at his feet and at Michigan and hire him. That's who I wanted initially before Ron Rivera came here. Um, I love Jim Harbaugh. And I, I, hey, look, he's winning in Michigan now, so people can't shit on him for, oh, you can't beat Ohio State. It's like, all right, hey, Siege, shut up. Harbaugh was a beast in San Francisco. He wasn't everybody's cup of tea. Him and Balky butted heads, but shit, you get over that. He, he, he came right in, and he got it done immediately, and they were a disaster. So, yeah, I mean, that's my Harbaugh pitch right there. Throw a lot of money at Harbaugh, see what happens. He, he flirted with Minnesota last year. Who knows? Um, let me just give you kind of, you know, a history of uh, some of the uh, coaches who were interim before uh, getting the full time job. I'll, I'll go back to. I mean, th- there's just such a long list, um, but I'll go back to the start of the 2000 uh, millennium and uh, Dick LeBeau. Yeah, for the yeah. Bengals didn't yeah. work out. He went four nine as an interim head coach for the Bengals. Um, you know. When he got the full time job, didn't go really well. Went eight and twenty four. 
Uh, Dave McGinnis with the Cardinals, he went one and eight. Uh, they gave him the full time job, and he went sixteen and thirty two. Uh, our good friend Nate Tice, his father Mike Tice, oh. uh, he got the interim job for one game for the Vikings. Got the full time job and uh, did pretty okay. I mean, finished with a five hundred record, thirty two and thirty two. Mike, Mike made a few playoff berths, I think. He did all yeah, right. Yeah. He was so that, the that was the first coach. Yeah, yeah. That he was the first coach in uh, before two thousand to make the playoffs. Mike Singletary with the 49ers, who was five and four. <laughs> I love this list. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm settling in now. I got to hear this. Where my popcorn? 13 and 18, no playoff appearances. <laughs> Tom Cable, four and eight. <laughs> <laughs> You're yes. making me laugh, dude. Stop. <laughs> oh, I forget these people even exist. They're like NPCs. Tom Cable. Yes. Um, <laughs> a guy. Okay. Well, the next guy. Yeah. Pretty yeah. interesting because. Uh, he's already getting head coach consideration. Oh, he's gotten it for the past couple of years. He's going to get it this year. It's Leslie Fraser. Yeah. Uh, he was the interim coach of the Vikings. He went three and three. Yeah. Um, you know, the first year they didn't do so well, third, three and 13, but he made the playoffs one year with Christian Ponder as his quarterback. He did. And he came into Carolina in, in 2011 and boat raced Ron Rivera. I mean, <laughs> and yeah. I think Leslie's a, one of those guys, like kind of like Wilkes, like there's a little more to him than just a, a coordinator Wilkes has been an associate head coach. Wilkes has been a head coach, so I mean, yeah, Leslie's been around the block. I, I kind of like him. Um, next guy, Jason Garrett. Uh, you know, he, oh, yeah, I would argue he was a pretty successful interim, sure, uh, to head coach. Uh, you know, he went five and three as interim, replacing Wade Phillips at the time in 2010. And then, mm-hmm. uh, after three straight seasons of going eight and eight, uh, he finally made the playoffs, but overall record of 85 and 67. Wade was an interim too at one point early in his career. So I mean, it's yeah. full circle. And he made uh, he made three playoff appearances. Um, yep. The next guy, Romeo Cornell, didn't do too oh, well, but this is with Belichick the Chiefs. Guy. Yep. Two and three or two and one interim head, you know, coach. And, they, and that included a game against the Packers who I think were 15 and one that year. Oh yeah. And, but the next year, Two and fourteen. One of those wins did actually come against Carolina after you know the tragedy of one of their players being committing suicide. Yeah, that was Belcher. Um, that was terrible. Yeah, um, that was 2012. Uh, 2015. Uh, Mike Malarkey. Um, you know, he was again a retread coach. He was a Titans. Pretty good record uh, for yeah. Malarkey. Uh, you know, he went to the playoffs one year with Mariota as a quarterback, but he finished with the winning record. I uh, went nine and seven the first year. Yeah. 10 and six, the next and nine and seven again. Um, and so, yeah, he deserves credit. Uh, he did a pretty good job there with Tennessee, but um, you know, Tennessee wisely after the playoff birth, they, they moved on. They had the uh, foresight yeah. to say, Hey, you know, Malarkey's done some good things. He's turned around our program, but we feel like we can get better things with, Vrabel and uh, yeah, that that certainly has worked out. Vrabel's been, you know, an elite like, head coach. Yeah, Vrabel and Sala were like solid defensive hires, like guys that get the whole scope of what the team. And I feel like like D'Amico Ryan's. I hate to pigeonhole these guys, but he's kind of like one of the next guys up on that side of the ball. And you know, I I really don't give a crap what I mean. Look at John Harbaugh. I mean, one of the most successful coaches. He was a special teams coordinator. Um, you just got to be able to be the CEO. That's a good list, though. I mean, Tom Cable, Jesus. Um, the Panthers have had a couple. Say, the only coach that I can think of that I look at this list. Perry Fuel wasn't a – he didn't work out too well. He had a bad tenure here. Go but ahead. he didn't become – he was interim, but he didn't become – Oh, that's bad. true. Yeah, good point. Sorry about that. Um, Marv Levy and Jeff Fisher are the only two coaches from this list that I see that worked. Oh, out. yeah, it worked out. I mean – But again, Levy was back in the 80s. Jeff Fisher, 90s. Yeah, different structure um, back then. But that's just kind of like where my point is coming from. Like, I, I, there's no even when I give you that list, there's nothing in here that 
would suggest there's like a correlation, but for the most part, the names I just gave you, it doesn't really look great. Let me ask you this. If they, th- this is the question that, I mean, but performance right now does matter. I'll say that like he's in that role. He's doing all the things that Matt rule was paid to do at a much lower rate, which is fine, but he's doing a, I, hey, I, as good of a job, if not better a job, of managing that operation than Matt Rule ever did. I'm going to say that, and all due respect, go kill it, Nebraska. That's where you belong. But I do wonder, like, for Tepper's standards and, and the kind of money he has and his vision, um, wherever that is now, seems to be heavily on music and soccer, and I, I would like it to get into the football championship realm because he's got the resources I wonder if Steve Wilkes, if he had not been on this staff, would he be on anybody's radar for a head coaching job? And the answer is no, but it's situational. And he's in that moment now, and the guys like him. And sometimes that happens, but that's a really revealing list you brought up because that's a very, much like my argument about Matt Rule, that's also a good argument that very few times has this really worked out. Like Dan Campbell was interim, but they didn't keep him, and then he resurfaced in Detroit, and jury's out on that, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I like Steve. I I hate and when people say and I like go go hire a you know an offensive coach and maybe Wilkes will be the DC. I mean, that's kind of insulting to Steve. If he wants to do that, yeah, fine, I I take that. But maybe Al Holcomb's been the secret sauce. I don't know. This is a decent team right now. They're on a decent stretch. They're they're playing better than the dog shit they had been playing earlier in the year and the dog crap we had seen late last year. It's improvement, but I still don't know if if you got big time money. Um, this is what you want your standard to be. Can Steve Wilkes guide them to the playoffs with a competent quarterback? I'm sure he could. Um, but uh, Sean Payton's going to be sitting out there. Hey, Frank Reich is sitting out there, and I'm a big Reich guy. And I don't know how you feel about him, but I I don't dislike Frank Reich. I think they could do a lot worse. Um, Maybe they'll, may, you know, maybe they'll hire Jordan Gross like <laughs> Jim Hersey did. They'll go hire Ryan Khalil. I have no idea. Um, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I'll say that. And and the thing with the front office too, man, because look out for Dan Morgan. He's going to get some phone calls eventually. He's already gotten those phone calls. Steelers interviewed him, and you're going to have to start filling some guys. And and you know, Scott, I guess he's still safe, but we haven't heard any definitive like. <laughs> stuff from the owner at all. So it's, you know, mystery season right now. Yeah. Uh, and that's just kind of like where I want to finish this up here is. Yeah. The, the reason why I'm like kind of reluctantly um, saying, just give it to him is again, number one, I don't believe the owner can find someone better. Like, unless it's like you said, Jim not, Harbaugh or not Sean by himself. Not yeah. Unless it's a layup for, talk. yeah. Unless it's a layup for a, a enormous amount of money that we all know we should Anybody could do it, like Harbaugh, but to be yeah, nuanced, I mean, if, it's, if he's, if it's if he's Jim leading, Harbaugh, him and Marty yeah. Herney sitting in Matt Rule's driveway was not a winning formula. I'm sorry. I'll just say it. And that needs to be a better process this time if they're going to do it right. For sure. And that's just why I'm like, I don't think you're, you're not getting you know Sean Payton full stop, period. No, I agree. Um, Jim Harbaugh, like, yeah, if you can convince him and you know, let's say just Michigan has another you know, tough performance against Georgia, and he just realizes he's kind of maxed out Michigan's football program. Then, sure, like he was very close, supposedly, to getting that Vikings job. Yeah, um, he's got so, the itch from what I've been reading and kind of hear through the grapevine. It's not anything substantial, but and it's certainly not Carolina related. There's no ties here. He played here for like 
<laughs> with our friend Luther Broughton for like two games and Seifert wouldn't put him in, but that's his only connection to here other than he, he came in here and curb stomped us in the playoffs. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say aim for that if you're not going to keep Wilkes. I mean, that's where you take your money and go spend and spend it well with somebody who's proven they can friggin' do it and and go from there. Otherwise, you know, go get a coordinator and make him the head coach or I, I honestly, yeah, I don't like trust you. that though. Like, if, I, if, I know that's why you just keep Wilkes if that's the it, case. It's like the then. Teddy. It's like the Teddy argument we had. Like you brought that up. Like just keep Teddy so we don't bleed more here. <laughs> it's like I, I'm kind of like it doesn't you. work out with Wilkes, which I mean, with all due yeah. respect, I'm not. I mean, I could see like you know, six and eleven, seven and ten type yeah. seasons in the future. Then yeah, then you move on. This division's about to take a shit. I mean it. Sorry, I mean, I, I Dennis Allen is a disaster at head coach. He always has been. I like his offense. I like his defensive mind, but his track record is atrocious. Um, but then again, they play the Bucks this week, and he always shuts them out. So Bowles is weird there. That's a weird thing going on with Brady, and he's kind of looking up and down, and that was a bad loss at Cleveland. Atlanta, you know, they, I think Atlanta's got a lot of hope for the future. They've got some good things going on, but they're they're not without flaws. So, I mean – I don't know. It's a good time to sneak in there and get things figured out. The problem is all these mistakes they've made the past two years have delayed this, and the only thing you can do is just keep plodding along with the other mediocre teams in the South and and get through it. It's it's not as depressing as it was, I mean, honestly, because they're showing some signs of life with their young guys, but they're still miles away because I have no idea who their quarterback is moving forward. No idea. And I have no idea in this draft who it will be and if it will work. <laughs> it's very. It, there's no Trevor Lawrence to me. It's like Bryce is on top of everybody's chart right now, and Stroud's a popular name, and Hooker got hurt, and Levis has got some great tools, but who knows? And Allen kind of stunk early on, and then he developed, and people have got to be patient. But, like, damn, th- there's been a lot of patience right here. But do not go get any more veterans. Stop it. Russell Wilson, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, all these guys. Matt Ryan, it's been a disaster for, like, all of them this year. Do not dip back into that well. We haven't Enough. even seen like you know how Deshaun Watson is going to return. So yeah, uh, even if even if he doesn't play well, that's going to add more. Fu- hey, you know, data points. Brissett played pretty damn good now. Yeah, Brissett's like Gino. You, you could just yeah. have him in a functional NFL offense. He'll look pretty. Is, G- is um, Gino on a one year deal with Seattle? Yeah, but gonna... I don't see Seattle not resigning him. Yeah, I mean they're just they're, they got to they got to roll with that. He's done that, fine. I don't I don't even know if Fitter would. Take, I, I think they just need to find a way to package whatever they need to to move up far enough to be in that Herbert range they were just out of reach of and get a guy and be damn sure you got somebody in that building that can develop them and you know maybe get another receiver I don't know <laughs> Terrace is good but you got DJ and Shy and Terrace and that's kind of where you're at Robbie by the way is not exactly burning it up in Arizona so good on Scott for getting that done for sure. Um, anything else you want to pass on before we uh, sign off for the uh, f- can be for the week because uh, yeah. they're off this week and uh, we're going to um, you know see them back in action against the Seattle Seahawks in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I guess final thoughts would be um, there's two schools two schools of thought here. Uh, I get reminded all the time there's two there's two Johns here and I hate to use that but like I got to be kind of the broadcaster guy that keeps a positive spin on things and that's what I do for iHeartRadio. Um, in conjunction with the, the station that covers the team. So, like, the, the angle I take there is, look, let's look for something that, that can be used as a positive. And 
They were 3-8-1 and one back in 2014, and they kept winning games that were very winnable, and things fell into place. It's not unprecedented, and Steve Wilkes was in the building for it. I'm not saying that's ultimately going to happen or even like reasonable to even be in that world, but let's face it, it's a game and a half back. You're on December 1st. At least you're still battling, and that's all I'll say. Playoffs aside, I'm not even thinking about it because you'll get one game and you'll probably get roasted. Who knows? But they played good football, sound football, in a game that you know I attended with, like I said, my boy, and he was happy. And It's a bye week. Seattle coming up. They gave up like 250 on the ground. I know that they're not a, a, an easy out, and that's a tough place to play, but I don't know if that's a terrible matchup for Carolina or not. I, I think that that's a game they could go in, and that would be a valuable win. <laughs> I say that carefully for some of our listeners because, like, shit, you just dropped down to the top ten in the draft. But I don't know. I'm just thinking of in terms of, like, guys I know around that building. Like, they're, they're trying to scrap and fight, and my hat's off to them, man. They're, they're playing hard, and they're coaching hard. And congrats to Matt Rule. I mean, I just leave you with that. Like, Nebraska, eight-year contract. I think Trace Armstrong is his agent, and there's been just – Way too much Matt Rule overkill hate. I I feel like I was part of that drum beat in the beginning, but it really was just fun and games. But he'll do a good job there, I'm sure. And he's got Marcus Satterfield. <laughs> we were talking about that down here in the upstate. He he poaches the remember the OOU tweet, one of us. <laughs> Certainly he meant it. <laughs> he's one of mine. I'm coming to get him. And now Gamecock fans are like, oh crap. Um but you know, hey, we'll see what happens. Good luck to Matt Rule. Good luck to Nebraska. And uh, enjoy the bye week. Yep. Uh, everyone enjoy the bye week. Still watch some World Cup. There's going to yeah. be some big college football games this weekend. So yeah. enjoy it, everyone. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.